Good morning, everyone. I'd like to read some verses from a neighbor of Jonah. In other words, a book that's not too far away from the book of Jonah. You older ones, you only have to turn back a page or two to the book of Amos. If you turn back one page, you will come to Obadiah, but move next door. One more page, Amos and the chapter 9. I want to read a few verses at the beginning of the chapter because they're very relevant. They teach that which is part of what I want to emphasize to you today. Verse 1 of Amos chapter 9 says, I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door, that the posts may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them, and I shall slay the last of them with a sword. He that fleeth of them shall not flee away, and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, thence shall mine hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, that's a mountain, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent, and he shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil, and not for good. Those are very, very solemn words. And as we now turn to the book of Jonah, I'm sure you'll see how they are related to what happened to Jonah. We're looking at the verse 4 of chapter 1, where we read, verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. In verse 3 you have the little phrase, But Jonah. Now here, in the verse 4, we have the little phrase, but the Lord. But Jonah introduces to us the plans that Jonah had, which were very contrary to the plans of God. God had said to Jonah, do this, but Jonah decided he wouldn't. And he then began to put into operation his plan of disobedience. But the verse 4 says, but God, what Jonah set out to do, didn't undermine or topple or bring confusion to God's purpose. We have a little chorus, and from it there comes a saying which is often repeated by Christians. God is still on the throne. And Jonah's disobedience didn't change that truth. God was still sovereign and on the throne. And here in the verse 4, we're introduced to the action taken by the Lord to counteract Jonah's planned escape from God's will. I am sure that Jonah entertained or had the notion that he had succeeded in escaping from the Lord when once the ship set sail. He thought, I've got away. I've escaped from God. But it was not so. Oh, boys and girls, learn, learn the lesson. He hadn't encountered any opposition from God 
as he hurried to Joppa. I mentioned, I think, in my very first message on this book of Jonah that he came from Galilee. So he had to travel from Galilee to the sea coast at Joppa. But as he did that, I'm sure he was nervous, waiting for God to do something to stop him. But God didn't stop him. God didn't stop him. When he got to Joppa, there was a boat, obviously making ready to sail, and to sail to Tarshish. He thought, I'm sure he thought, I'm going to get away. And he was able to pay for the passage, go down into the ship, and soon there was the noise of the sailors pulling up the anchor, hoisting the sails, and making ready to launch forth. And Jonah would have been saying, I've done it, I've got away, I've got away. All was going well, it seemed, for Jonah. But it only seemed to be so. For our verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind. The Lord sent out a great wind. Boys and girls, what I want you to learn today is a simple truth, and it's this. God can afford or is able to wait before he acts against those who defy him. God doesn't have to rush to counteract man's rebellion. Just like here in the case of Jonah. I'd say a number of days passed before Jonah now is setting sail. Then God was in no hurry. Because God doesn't have to hurry. God can afford to wait before he acts. And of course, let me just add this. He waits in mercy. He's giving opportunity to Jonah to catch himself on. And realize, I'm doing wrong. What am I doing? That's why the Lord held back, as it were. He did it in mercy. He did it in mercy. Learn this. A lack of action on God's part, following our sin and our transgressions and our rebellion, does not mean that he will not act against us. I'm sure that Jonah thought, I've succeeded. I've got away. I'm safe. Nothing's going to happen to me. That's what the world thinks today. Out there in the world, the population of the nations think, I'm going to get away with my sin. I've got away so far. I'm still alive. No judgment has fallen on me. I'm going to be all right. (laughs) I don't need to be frightened of judgment. It's not going to happen. That's what the world thinks. But the world is wrong. The world is wrong. And you and I can know that the world is wrong by reading our Bibles. And when you read your Bible, you'll see, I think it's in Acts 17, for I'm just relying now on my memory. In Acts 17, it says, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. It's not as if God has decided to ignore man's sin and Just not bother? No. Rather, as I say, in mercy, he holds off. If you are not saved today, if you have not repented of your sin, if you are still in rebellion against God, he hasn't acted against your sin, not because he doesn't care, but because he does care. And in mercy, he holds off, giving you an opportunity to obey the gospel, to repent. And turn back again to the Lord. I'm going to read a verse from Psalm 50. You older ones look it up. Because when you see it, it helps you to remember it much more than just hearing it. But the younger ones, you listen. Psalm 50, verse 21. 
These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. But I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. What that simply means is, that because God kept quiet when man sinned, man thought, God's just like us. He doesn't care too much about these matters. Out there in the world, people break the law. And folks see people breaking the law, and they don't care. Even policemen see people breaking the law, and they don't care. And we think that's what God's like. He doesn't care when we defy him. Sure, nothing has happened to me. He hasn't reached out his hand to deal with me. He doesn't care. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one of you, but you're wrong. God says, you're wrong. I will respond to your sin. You need to learn that. I'll read another verse. Acts chapter 14 and the verse 6. It says this of God, who in times past suffered or permitted all nations to walk in their own ways. God just allowed nations, it appears, to walk in their own ways. He didn't intervene, but suffered men to defy him to a very large degree. But that's not always going to be the way. Jonah felt that he had been successful. Here he was on the boat. It was heading away from Joppa. It was heading towards Tarshish. The sun was shining. The wind was blowing nice and gently and filling the sails and carrying the ship on its way. All was well. It says in verse 5 of Jonah that Jonah was down in the ship sleeping. He went fast asleep, it says, verse 5 at the very end. Fast asleep. He was untroubled. Felt he could now rest. Doubtless he had sort of hastened down to the shore from his home in Galilee, and probably was tired, anxious, and troubled. But now things were going well. The ship was on its way. Ah, he says, I can relax. And he went down into the ship, and he fell fast asleep. Oh, but God wasn't asleep. God wasn't asleep. Poor Jonah was wrong. Oh, don't you be asleep today concerning your soul's salvation. Let me show you something else. Immediate reprisal is not always God's way of acting toward sinful men. He doesn't act against them in judgment immediately. That's close to what I've already said, but I want to emphasize this simple truth. Do you remember what the brothers of Joseph did? How wicked they acted toward their teenage brother, sold him into captivity, then told their father a real lie, bringing his very special coat of many colors, stained with the blood of an animal. And they showed it to Jacob, making out that this was Joseph's blood, and therefore Joseph must be dead. They sinned against Joseph, and they sinned against their father, Jacob, and they sinned against the Lord. Did God smite them immediately? No. A day went past, a week went past, a month went past, a year went past. Years went past. At least ten years. More went past. It was a lengthy time. Then God began to move. And you know how that when the famine set in and the brethren of Joseph came down to Egypt, their sin caught up with them. For there was Joseph sitting on the throne, the ruler of Egypt, next only to Pharaoh. 
Oh, the rebellion and sinfulness of the brothers had lasted a long time, but now it had caught up with them. Please, boys and girls, judgment always catches up. At this present time in Belfast, there's a trial going on. Two soldiers are being charged with unlawfully killing a man called Joe McCann. And that happened way back in 1972. That's a long time ago. It's nearly 50 years ago. I met Joe McCann. He's a member of the IRA. And when I was in prison in 1966, Joe McCann was there. And he was working in the same place that I was set to work in. And I had three months of talking to Joe McCann about the gospel. Oh, he was only 18 at that time. Full of his own notions about what he was going to do as a member of the IRA and all the rest of it. And then I remember some six years later hearing on the news late at night that Joe McCann had been shot by the army. When I was in prison with him and talking to him, he was full of himself. What he was going to do, what he couldn't do. Oh, Joe thought he was invincible. But his activity as an IRA murderer caught up with him. It caught up with him. Boys and girls, even though judgment doesn't come immediately, that's because God is kind and merciful. And God was kind and merciful to Joe McCann. Gave him a chance. Brought me into his company. Enabled me to tell him of his need of salvation and the errors that he believed at that time. For he was a Roman Catholic. And he believed the nonsense that that church teaches. But he heard from God's word the way of salvation. He had a chance. I want to read some words from the little book of Lamentations, the chapter 3. And you older ones can turn it up, but you younger ones, you listen. Listen very carefully to what it is I read. Lamentations chapter 3, the verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. If you're still unsaved, and yet nothing has happened to you, though you're still in rebellion against God, do you know why nothing has happened? It is the Lord's mercies that you are not consumed. Take heed then. Take heed. That God doesn't act immediately against sinful man, just as he didn't act immediately against foolish Jonah. But the verse 4 that we have looked at says, But the Lord sent out a great wind onto the sea. Boys and girls, God has many agents or servants by which he may accomplish his purpose. Wasn't soldiers that followed after Jonah? Wasn't the angels that followed after Jonah? God could have made that happen. God sent a wind. God sent a wind? Oh, God has at his disposal a great array of weapons that he can use against us if he so desires. The wind was sent. The sea was stirred up. The sailors became God's servants, for they threw Jonah into the sea. And then there was a wheel that acted as God's agent, God's servant, swallowed Jonah. Do not think that we can find a hiding place. That's why I read Amos chapter 9. We cannot find a hiding place in which God cannot find us. That's the story of Jonah and the lesson that is to be learned there. There's no escaping 
when God sets out to find us and deal with us. There's only one safe hiding place. There's only one safe hiding place. We sang that hymn this morning that takes us in our thoughts back to the Exodus, where God said to the people of Israel, Mark the doorposts and the lintel with the blood, and hide there, and you'll be safe. That speaks to us, boys and girls, of the one place where we are safe from God's judgment. If we hide there, we're safe. God's wrath will not reach us. I love the verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 32. Look it up, you old one. And the man shall be in hiding place from the wind. Oh, God sent out a wind after Jonah. And Isaiah the prophet said, And a man shall be a hiding place from the wind. A covert or a covering, a shelter from the tempest. As rivers of water in a dry place. As the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. A man shall be all these things. What man? The man Christ Jesus. Are you hiding in him today? We sing another old hymn, Hiding in thee, hiding in thee, thou blessed rock of ages, I'm hiding in thee. Are you? Are you? I told Joe McCann 50 years ago that he needed to hide in Christ, but Joe took no heed of what I said. The Lord Jesus is the mediator who stands between us and the judgment of God. That's what he was doing at Calvary. He was bearing God's judgment for us. And when you're in him, you're safe. You're safe from the judgment of God. I love the story. It's a true story. Told by a farmer from many years ago. Happened in America, I believe. One of these wildfires. Well, we had something like it up in the Mourn Mountains. Maybe some of you saw pictures of the winds and the heather on fire. Well, this happens all over the world. And it happened on one occasion in America. And the prairie fire raced across the prairie, burning up the dry grass, and in its path was a farmhouse. And the farmer hastened to find shelter from the fire for his family. There was an area within the farm compound that had no grass, nothing that would burn, and they were safe there. But when the fire had passed, They went out to survey the damage and they found in one place the burned remains of a hen. It was just sitting squatting on the ground. Its feathers were charred and burned and the poor old hen was dead. And in compassion, well they felt for the creature. They reached down to lift the carcass of the hen and as they did so, out from under it ran some chicken. You see, the mummy hen, threatened as she was by the fire, thought of her little ones gathered them in under, and when the fire raced over and consumed her, her body sheltered the little chickens, and they escaped. That's what happened at Calvary. The Bible actually talks about us hiding under the feathers of God's wings. Is that what you are today? Are you under the feathers of the wings of Christ, seeking shelter from the wrath of God? Heed, heed the message today. And if you are sheltering, then you rejoice, you be glad that you're saved from your sins. Now let's bow together, please, in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you will take your word and apply it to hearts today.
Strengthen the faith of each one that's here, that is truly believing in Christ. And if there's any not yet saved, O God, have mercy upon them. And may they hasten to find shelter under the feathers of God's mercy. Bless the school. We think of the funeral in the village today. God of mercy. Speak to hearts. Speak to hearts. And bring comfort to those who mourn. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.